Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Today you're going to hear from Alan Burson, a former commissioner of U.S. Customs and Border Protection who served under the Obama administration. Burson was in San Diego on Tuesday for a naturalization ceremony at Balboa Park and joined the San Diego Union Tribune editorial board on Zoom to discuss immigration. He shared insights on Title 42, known as the Remain in Mexico policy, which requires asylum seekers to wait for their court dates in Mexico. He also discussed Ukrainians fleeing the war, as well as injuries and deaths at the border wall. In this interview, you'll hear from editorial board members Matthew T. Hall, Chris Reed, and Laura Castaneda, and from the newsroom, editor and publisher Jeff Light, and immigration reporter Kate Morrissey. This interview was edited for length. Here's the conversation. Okay, uh, today the editorial board and, and some members of the newsroom are joined uh, by Alan Burson, uh, who's worn a lot of hats over the years, uh, but we're talking to uh, you today about border issues. Um, and obviously there are many of those and we have many questions, but I understand uh, that you're in San Diego. Unfortunately, we're not all in the same room. We're still on Zoom, but welcome welcome home. Thank you. I was, I was delighted uh, today to uh, participate in the citizenship ceremony at, uh, at Spreckel's uh, uh, organ pavilion. It was uh, 50 people from 50 different countries. And the, it was the first post, uh, uh, well, that we're not really post COVID, uh, uh, but it was the first uh, in-person uh, ceremony they've held in two years. So I was happy to be there. Oh, that's great. What was the mood like there? Uh, very, very upbeat in the uh, sense of, uh, you know, uh, you know, this is the most uh, inspiring ceremony held by the, uh, uh, the uh, government and and the fifty uh, uh, individuals were uh, as as they always are from fifty different countries and very happy to uh, have completed the process and I was happy to address them about you know the rekindling of the American dream and the role that you know the way the ceremony works each one is called by the country they come from and they stand up. And then they all take the oath of allegiance together as Americans. So when they stand up, they're introduced by their country of origin. And when they sit down as a group, they're all American citizens. It's quite uh, quite remarkable. And I, I reflected on how uh, we've been divided as a people before, and we will eventually transcend it, although it's not clear exactly how at this juncture, uh, but that uh, new Americans uh, are always a... Uh, a rekindling of the American dream. And these are people that each one of whom has a dramatic story from, from uh, a Ukrainian uh, lady to a Canadian uh, uh, fisherman. It was, it's inspiring. I'm, I, was, I was honored and always, always loved participating in those ceremonies. Yeah, oh, it sounds pretty, uh, as you said, upbeat. Um, well, one of the questions that, that, that I have for you, and I'm gonna, as you can hear, my voice is going, so. Yeah. I have my tea here and I'm just going to ask questions and then kick the mic to my uh, teammates. But I'm just curious, you know, you've obviously served at, in, in, in presidential administrations. Every time we have you in, whether it's Trump and now Biden, we ask you about presidential immigration policies and why they don't seem to be working. What, 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 what's, what, what, let me just couch the question differently. Now, why is Biden getting his messaging and his policy so wrong? It seems like that guy can't get out of his own way fast enough and that the country doesn't know what it's doing and people are confused by 
the people in his administration by his own comments. This is kind I of get yeah, in the title fight too, but just general. You know, yeah. you know, it all stems, I, I think, from uh, from the uh, lack of bipartisanship that characterizes our approach to immigration policy. Gone are the days when you could get a John McCain and a Ted Kennedy sitting down uh, and and working through these issues and and resolving uh, the uh, immigration problem of the uh, of the era. Immigration reform typically comes every thirty years, and we've missed it this time around. I mean, if you go back to uh, the Reagan years and and previous to that, uh, to the 60s, there was a comprehensive immigration reform. And uh, we've been in need of this for at least uh, 15, uh, if not more years now. And, and our the time has passed in this generation when the Gang of Eight proposal wasn't taken up by the House uh, in 20, uh, 2012, 2013. So it's the, it's the lack of uh, uh, partisanship in the case of, uh, 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 Biden, what's interesting to me is that neither the Biden administration nor the Trump administration, when they had control of the Congress, uh, addressed the major issue that leads to the problem we, we now have on the border, which is a broken asylum system. Uh, neither of them actually uh, approached uh, that, uh, obviously coming from completely different uh, motivations and perspectives, but neither uh, uh, went to fix the asylum system, which continues to be the major uh, hole. In the case of the Biden administration, it seems pretty clear that uh, in order to uh, get the campaign revved up, basically uh, the advocacy community was given control of the policy and the campaign, uh, which is not uncharacteristic in the Democratic uh, political campaign. What happened, though, when when uh, President Biden was elected was that advocates for the first time were put into all of the key positions, uh, both at DHS and at the White House, so that you, uh, you then led to, to uh, some people pushing to completely reverse whatever Trump uh, had put into place, and uh, others uh, more to the middle uh, searching for some way in which you could build enforcement and deterrence into the policy. And as a result of the clashes that are going on, obviously internal to the Biden administration, there's no ability to act uh, uh, decisively. Uh, and the result is that the uh, numbers of encounters at the border have risen astronomically. And they threatened to do so even more so uh, were, were the administration not apparently saved from uh, uh, the Title 42 uh, uh, consequence. And depending on what the appellate courts do, uh, could still face what the administration's estimating would be 18,000 people a day or 540,000 people a month, which is more than... Uh, showed up in an entire year during the years 2010 through 2018. So, you know, it, there, there is definitely a, 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 a constant battle going on. And as anyone who's worked in the government knows, uh, when you have a pitched battle going on inside a political bureaucracy, those who uh, seek to do nothing usually prevail. 
I was talking to a pollster a few weeks ago who's written, who's uh, polled nationally and uh, locally in California, and he says that he believes Democrats are headed towards just this unique double whammy where Biden is hammered on one side for not doing enough and he's hammered on the other side for being allegedly too permissive. And he just said that this struck uh, as a rare example of a White House that doesn't seem to have a pollster on speed dial. Is it really that simple that there's just political tone deafness about this? Because it really does seem unique that Biden is hated by one side for being too supportive of immigration and hated by the other side for being allegedly open borders. Never seen anything like this. Exactly right. Exactly right, Chris. He's being attacked uh, uh, by by people who uh, think that he has completely reversed the Trump uh, immigration uh, regime of Stephen Miller and Ken Cuccinelli and uh, attacked by uh, those who, uh, who see an entire absence of any enforcement uh, uh, going on in the, uh, and deterrence going on in the administration's border policies. And uh, the, the, uh, the result uh, is, is likely to be a, a potentially catastrophic loss in the midterms. But you're right. This is this is unique. But it's it it actually comes from from the problem that uh, exists when you 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 uh, you you have people who who essentially uh, uh, have set the tone of uh, not wanting to fix the system because the system as it functions now tends to serve the operational results they seek, which is which is. Uh, not consistent, I believe, with what uh, uh, either uh, President Biden or Secretary Mayorkas would choose to do were, were, uh, were they uh, actually uh, uh, calling the shots, which apparently they're not. Hey, Ellen. Um, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, we, we published some op-eds. Um, one of them was from a surgeon at uh, UCSD Health um, talking about how the injuries are significant increase in injuries of people being hurt, seriously hurt, mangled um, by scaling the border wall um, in this area um, all along the border. And um, there are some people out there who might say, well, that was, that's why Trump extended the wall to keep people out. But it is putting a significant, according to the to surgeon, um, she published some data in JAMA surgery um, that it is putting a significant uh, dent in the healthcare system because um, a lot of folks are not insured and they're being brought to hospitals in really bad condition. I just wondered what your thoughts were on that. No, so I subscribed to the paper. I saw that piece and um, I saw that report. And, and uh, you know, I, again, I, I think that that is not a, uh, not a, uh, uh, it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's sad and, and tragic. It, it didn't surprise me because people continue to try to, you know, this is the old problem of border walls. You show me, uh, Janet Napolitano remarked, show me a 50 foot wall. I'll, I'll show you a 51 foot ladder. And, and, uh, you know, I think people are going to try to do that and they are going to fall. Now, I don't, I, I don't know that, you know, when you say this is going to seriously impact the healthcare system, I, I don't know that the numbers are, are that significant, but I'm sure the injuries are. Um, you know, I, I, I must say, having been in Tijuana yesterday and, and, uh, and on Sunday taking a tour of the, of the 
the border section, you know, I, it, it struck me that that's precisely where we didn't need that second, that second uh, set of walls. I mean, San Diego hasn't been challenged uh, back, you know, really uh, the main challenge to San Diego is at the port of entry, not people climbing the wall. Uh, or trying to get through uh, the wall. So, you know, I think the numbers are there, but they're not, they don't compare to anything like the, the, the efforts of, uh, that are, you know, the problems of uh, irregular migration at the Rio Grande Valley in Texas, Laura. Um, you know, we, we, we didn't need that second row of, <laughs> that second uh, uh, wall that uh, now uh, uh, runs parallel to the original wall. Uh, and that's where a lot of the the so-called border wall of the Trump administration was built. That and and uh, in places, if you go up, I was also I went up to the um, Guadalupe Canyon, the old Apache uh, country in southeastern uh, Arizona, and you know, building a wall, uh, you know, way up in the mountains, is 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 not stopping migrants. Uh, the people that go through there are the drug traffickers, and the best way to catch drug traffickers. Uh, who are gonna get through a wall or around a wall or over a wall is through having uh, border patrol agents up there, which, which could be done. So, you know, I, I, I having participated in putting up about 700 miles of barriers uh, during my time in the, in, in the border, which I completely supported, you know, I, I think this, this uh, big, beautiful wall was, was, was always a, uh, you know, and I think they admitted it. This was just something Roger Stone told Trump to to, to keep uh, talking about in the campaign to to keep immigration up. It was never, and very few Border Patrol officials will tell you that it's a uh, it's needed in a place like San Diego. So, you know, I I you know I I uh, I understand that people get hurt trying to scale them, but you know, again, the numbers are not. Um, they're tragic. Each case is tragic, but the numbers are not, in the scheme of things, material. Yeah, Alan, I want to go back to uh, your comments uh, in your uh, first remarks about Title 42. So uh, um, maybe you could go over uh, both those, those numbers that you were uh, uh, talking about, and then also uh, how this uh, I guess the implication was that this needed to be unwound in some other more planful way. Uh, I just wanted to hear more about uh, your thoughts about that. Yeah, so so what we've learned, Jeff, over the last uh, two and a half years in terms of the uh, COVID is that uh, uh, contagious disease needs to be incorporated into the uh, uh, into the uh, 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 homeland security protocol and into border management protocols. We, we have drugs built into it. We have counter-terror built into it. We now need to do contagious disease. But this has been, you know, uh, this has been so uh, mishandled by both Trump and Biden uh, in the sense that uh, we've not, we, we basically have the CDC uh, calling the shots that affect what goes on in the border as opposed to making judgments about and, and, and requiring the epidemiologist to tell us exactly what role a border, uh, cross-border uh, entries having in the, in the contagion of, uh, of the American people. And we've never seen that. Instead, we get these broad pronouncements 
that look at what they've done. They, they led during the Trump administration to this idea that we're going to continue moving cargo, but we're going to stop non-essential traffic without any data about what that meant. Now we have a, a, a regime that says uh, we, if you have, a, if you're vaccinated, you can cross. Uh, everybody can cross the uh, the border without having, frankly, parenthetically, a system to verify vaccination documentation. Uh, but then we continue to require people coming in through airports to test negative and to have evidence of negative testing. And then, and then the CDC, we announce, okay, and now we're going to let irregular, uh, we're going to lift the Title 42 requirements that have been used uh, uh, at the border to keep irregular migrants from coming in who are single males. I should point out that with regard to family groups and unaccompanied minors, Title 42 has not been used uh, by the uh, Biden administration to keep people from coming in. In fact, for the most part, uh, th those groups, family groups and unaccompanied minor have basically been paroled into the country uh, immediately, uh, waiting for their asylum uh, uh, hearings uh, in a hopelessly backlogged immigration system. So, so what we have now is the, the thought that we're gonna lift this, this uh, uh, Title 42 that I understand advocates who say it's been used as an immigration control tool by both the Biden administration and the Trump administration. And it was, no, and, and no question about that. But while we haven't straightened out how we, you know, we, we still require vaccinations for, for cross-border movement in ports of entry, we still require negative tests it seems to me you want to keep that Title 42 uh, restriction in effect, at least until you have another plan about how you're going to manage the, uh, the uh, influx that is predictable. And as I said, the administration itself says they, could ex they would expect up to 18,000 people a day uh, showing here because the, the, what you would see is in addition to the family groups and the unaccompanied minors, all of these single males that have been turned away under Title 42 would now come in, be permitted to claim asylum and then be paroled into the country, or at least three quarters of them would be. Um, that's not a policy. That's not a border management policy. So I, I but, but it stems, I think, Jeff, from this idea that we, we haven't even begun to rationally incorporate public health into the border management regime. And you can't let CDC be making these judgments. Uh, and doing it in the blanket fashion and inconsistent fashion, frankly, that they've been doing it. Uh, but is there a concern there about the, the public health issue? Because uh, uh, most of what I've read is really uh, uh, pretty much debunked the idea that there's a significant public health issue there. Well, maybe, maybe I've got that wrong. No, no, no. Well, I, you know, what I'm saying is the data has not been complete either way. I guess I'm making the argument that it is not when you require air, air passengers to, to test negative and have proof of that, you require uh, cross-border people coming through the ports of entry to show proof of vaccination, to require nothing of irregular migrants, particularly when the consequence of that is going to be thousands of people coming in and, and exploiting this, this broken asylum system and being permitted to exploit it, 
that it, it, it makes no sense. So yes, I, I, I think you could maintain Title 42 in effect until you have a policy hmm. that would, would, uh, would control. And along the way, you would start to insist on some rational consistency uh, among the, way, the ways in which you treat, um, you treat people coming into the United States from abroad. How do you feel about uh, uh, that, the stories that have been out there about the treatment of that group of people caught behind the Title 42 wall uh, versus the Ukrainians uh, fleeing uh, harsh conditions in their country uh, who have been uh, put to the front of the line? Yeah, no, so I think what the administration did there was instead of uh, in, uh, encouraging uh, uh, Ukrainians uh, genuine refugees from coming to Mexico and then trying to come across the border or elsewhere on the Southwest border. What they did, and I think this was, this was done appropriately, is to say, you know, we, we are gonna expand our refugee capacity and, and you don't have to travel to Mexico to, to seek refugee status. You know, you can do it in Poland, you could do it in, 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 in countries in Europe and then be handled as refugees. And I think that that makes sense. I, th I as I as I think uh, also the uh, the administration after the disastrous uh, uh, initial coverage of the of the flight from Afghanistan, you know they actually did the, pulled off the most extraordinary um, uh, refugee airlift in in American history, and and you know because of because of the initial uh, coverage got no credit for that. I think this was a good move to to actually treat. Ukrainians as the refugees they are. Hi, Alan. I'm one of the non-editorial people in the room. I'm the immigration reporter. Um, right. And I wanted to go back to just a couple of things that you said. Um, I did a quick fact check on the, the data regarding families, and it is actually still more than a quarter of families apprehended by Border Patrol in fiscal 2022 who are being processed under Title 42 rather than Title 8. So um, that's still a pretty significant percentage that are being um, expelled under Biden. But well, I wanted to talk more. Okay, um, let me, but that you said 25%. But more than what, 25, more than now, 25%. What's happening, what's happening to the 75, the other 75%? The other 75% are being processed under Title VIII, but that's still more than 25% that are being expelled under Title 42. It's not exclusively being I, used for single adults. Okay. Um, and then I wanted to, to talk a little bit more about, about the single adults specifically because um, one of the things that we do see particularly with them is a very high recidivism rate where because they're expelled, they try crossing again and again and again. And so it's the same people sort of driving that encounter number up. And if you take away Title 42, then you have expedited removal, which has um, you know, more consequences where they actually get sent to criminal court for reentry and, and, and things like that. And so I guess I'm wondering, you know, do you see any benefits to returning to the expedited removal model versus the current Title VIII model? Or are you in the keep Title VIII around for single adults camp? No, Just no, to clarify I, I, Kate, I, I actually think that, you know, that's really where I was going. I, I don't, I, I think you, you do want to lift Title 42, but I don't believe there's been the kind of preparation that you'd need to be able to institute uh, expedited removals on the scale that you'd be facing initially, right? I mean, you 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 don't um, if, if, 
you, you don't have enough place to put people to, to process them. And, and since we have these, these rules on families and others that limit the amount of time you can keep people in detention, you get overwhelmed pretty quickly. I think that's the that, that that's really what I was getting at. I'm I'm not saying Title 42 should be maintained in uh, uh, forever. It shouldn't be, uh, but we we don't we don't have preparations to uh, actually uh, do expedited removals on the scale that would be required. Ellen, I wondered if you, I don't know how long you've been here or how long you're going to stay in San Diego this round, but I wondered if you'd had any plans to visit any of the shelters in Tijuana, not only the where most of the Ukrainians are, but also many of the Central Americans. I recently went to both and was flabbergasted with the difference of what I saw. You mean the, the, the lack of, of, of reasonable conditions there? Well, that was always my argument about uh, the Remain in Mexico program. I, I, the, Trump had the same problem of, of uh, a border out of control until they put the uh, so-called uh, uh, Remain in Mexico program, the migration protection protocols into place. But the, what was lacking, Laura, is exactly that. They, they, they did not provide uh, uh, either a system by which people could be efficiently metered into the country, and then it was stopped with, with the, you know, with, with, the, with the pandemic, but neither the Mexicans nor the US government was, was doing anything to actually provide uh, uh, the kind of humanitarian uh, uh, care that, uh, that is, is, should be required uh, when, you, uh, when you manage a system like that. I, I, when, when, when Marcella Abroad came to talk about uh, the Remain in Mexico protocols, there were a number of people urging him to say, look, if, if you, if President Lopez Obrador is going to cooperate with President Trump, uh, it, at the very least, you should require the United States to provide uh, material assistance to create places for people to stay that were distant, uh, uh, decent. That was never done. And it's still not being done. But now that's because the Biden administration is, is, is in, in order to, re, to replace the Trump era, completely did away uh, with um, with remain in Mexico, and then a court ordered it to put it back into place. But it's being done in a reasonably uh, or unreasonably half-hearted way. <laughs> 